Hey. Hey, what's going on? N- not not much. We're podcasting, just, just yeah, podcasting. Just chilling with the podcast. Oh, uh, you've man. run out of energy. I, d- I didn't have much to start with. You were fueled up on with. winning a fight about the Big Lebowski, and now you're just uh, de- you're you know de- dead in the water. Well, at least for the time being. You know, I, I come here, I like to chill and talk about movies and say to all the Cory heads and kittens out there, yeah. what's up, Ding Dongs? I think we need a coffee sponsor. Give us a call. I think we a need call. a coffee sponsor. I think we need a coffee, a cup of coffee. I would drink a cup of coffee. Podcast at SidewalkFest.com. Well, let's let's go ahead and move us along, though. Yeah, this is Side Talks. I'm Corey Morbitz Craft. Who are I you? I Rachel Morgan, and we talk about movies. And we uh, shove insane comedy bits into the intros. And um, Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's so great. Everybody funny. loves them and so uh, get nothing but compliments. All right. Let's talk about movies. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a Friend. McBrobro, are you there? Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Hey. You know, it's me, oh, it's yeah. Corey calling you. So I want to see what, Hi, you've, everyone. Uh, what you've been watching, man. Okay, well, this one, I, this, I'm ashamed that I had never seen this. This is one that I really feel like I should have, but, and nor had Tony, so. We it happens. It happens, and there's so many movies, you know what I mean? Um, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Oh, my God. You know, I just oh watched that for God. the first time recently, too. What? So. I saw this in the really? theater. Yeah. I saw this in the theater with Alex and Becca, and so that's like a perfect trio, in my mm. opinion, to go see this film together. Lo- we loved it. We love, love, loved it. Of Screaming. Course. Yeah. So let's hear about um, it. What do you think? Okay. Well, okay. It was so wacky. I mean, I knew it would be wacky, but it's way wackier than you think it's going to yeah. be. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Oh, 100%. And, I mean, that opening scene where they're just watching Pretty Woman, the pacing right. is so weird. <laughs> I, I remember so weird. noticing I that right off the bat. It was like, uh-huh. what? This is not, I'm not used to this. I, I applaud yeah. it. It was so strange, and they were just sort of, sort of, kind of making fun of the movie. But then, uh, yeah, it was. And then, um, what did um, I guess? Okay, Michelle is Lisa Kudrow, and she says something like, "I just, I'm so happy when she finally gets to shop." <laughs> Such a great line. <laughs> I love that. Such um, a great line. But yeah, okay, I yeah, I had just no idea what to expect. I mean, I knew kind of what to expect, but it, it was so much more fulfilling than what it wound up. You know, with what I anticipated. And, um, like, okay, I am not overly familiar with Mira Sorvino's work. I mean, yeah. I know the name forever, yeah. and obviously, you know, uh, Paul, uh, you know, Daddy Sorvino, we all know. Right, but of course. I, and she speaks, like, six languages, by the way. She's, oh, my gosh, I know. I she's a smarty. She's fluent in French and Chinese. And she, right, like, wow. Her, her major at Harvard was Asian studies and, and Chinese, and she won, like, a, a crazy award huh. for her thesis. And Good for her. I mean, you had us at she, her, you know, her subjects at Harvard. Yeah, and like, she's an Academy yeah, Award winning actress, and she's got it. She's got it pretty much pretty figured sharp. Out. Really high functioning, exactly. And apparently, I did read that Paul had discouraged her from um, from acting because you know it's you know how I guess I get that if you're like the guy in the acting world and your little girl is potentially a good actress, so he kind of discouraged her from it, and that's when she went on the Harvard path and. And she spent like a year in Beijing and all this stuff that you would never have guessed. And then she came back and apparently couldn't fight the acting bug and, um, you know, went for it and did, did all the things. But it's weird because I've always known of her, but I just, I didn't, I don't know her 
well and don't really know. I looked at the other things she's in and it's not a lot of stuff that I've really seen but just I'm more aware of. And so, okay, she, okay, I know she's going for like, I guess sort of a valley girl situation with the vocal, with the, uh, her accent in this. Yeah. I mean, okay, Corey, since you recently watched this, did it? It was so, it was like surfer girl. I mean, she was like, yeah. it was deeper. She'd be like, it's deeper, yeah. Oh, I don't know, Michelle. Maybe. And it's like, I, Tony described it as um, she's trying to do a Keanu Reeves. It feels a little bit like that. And it's, so, yeah. I also think it's weird. I think this film is it's, way weirder than people give it credit yeah. for. It, it's so weird. And, um, when we were joking that she kind of sounds like Keanu, like she's doing a Keanu impression, Tony said that it's almost like a gender swapped point break. And that that would <laughs> right. mean that Lisa Kudrow is actually Peaceways in that scenario. Yeah. But the dropping <laughs> but the octave is so, it makes it so it is, much weirder. It's and, like she went with this va- sort of surf, it's not even Valley Girl as much as it's almost more like surfer boy. Yeah. But then. Yeah, the deeper. You know what it's like? It's like the um, who's the turtleneck lady with the blood candle? Yeah, it's like an Elizabeth Holmes kind of thing. Elizabeth Holmes, where she's yes. like, I'm going to take command of this room good. by deepening good. my voice. I'm really in charge here. And that's maybe you know, where she got I, it. She might have watched Romeo and Michelle. Maybe, and she's like, I need to be. Well, because you know, there's a whole scene um, where they have to be businesswomen, or they pretend. Oh to be my God! Good point. Yeah. So or maybe a origin really story. Was taking a lot of notes for Romy and Michelle. Um, well, you know, I have to do that too at our house. Have you been around when I've had to talk to our Google robot like that? Because no, okay, theory, but I do appreciate I have, what I'm hearing. No, I have a whole theory. Okay, so our Google Home or robot or whatever it is, you know, the one you talk to, it's like Alexa, but yeah. the Google one. It, you ask it to do things, turn the lights on, whatever, and Tony asks it, no problem, totally fine. I will ask you to do something in a normal voice, just like this, and it will blatantly ignore me. And it happens all of the time. What a misogynist Google bitch. I know. Wow. And a friend of mine, so I'm talking to a friend of mine, said the same thing. Her husband will get replies, and she will not. I don't like what I'm hearing. The bro bros in Silicon Valley that program this stuff obviously use their own voices and practice on their own voices and on each other and whatever. And it's just the robot is tuned to dude voices. Agreed. So hmm. it's just sexist for sure. And um, what I have to do, so I've been doing this for like a few years now, um, when I needed to do something, a lot of times I'll be like, hey, Google, <laughs> turn the light maximum brightness. <laughs> All the time. Google voice. Struggle. So I have to do that to get it to respond to me. And I mean, it does honestly work better. I swear. I swear. So next time you're over, I'm going to let you test it. You can test it with your normal feminine voice and then you can like bro down. Yeah, I'm definitely a little, my voice is a little deeper just naturally, probably because I'm gay. And, uh, is that how it works? Oh, sometimes. And, uh, but you know, I can drop it pretty low too. So we'll see what happens. But when she started talking like that, I was like, what is going on with this voice? I mean, who coached her to do that? And it's just so strange. And almost certain things, I feel like she doesn't do it as deeply as others. And like the scene where she's working as the cashier and she's talking to Janine Garoppolo, it's like she's not as deep, maybe because she's playing off Janine. Yeah. And then, whereas when she's playing off of Lisa Kudrow as Michelle, it's like it goes back to being really, I don't know, Michelle. It's just very strange and uncanny. One of the many, many, many uncanny and strange things um, going on in this movie. Um, okay, so my favorite conversation is, I guess, I mean, I don't know, it's probably people who watch this is maybe like iconic and famous, but we lost it because we loved it so much. Okay, so 
she's clubbing, and this is Romy, which is Mira Sorvina, and she wants to um, get a man, you know, and she's clubbing, and she's, and they're into fashion, so she would know this, so she sees a guy, and uh, he's, he's, she says, hey, um, great suit, is that our money? And then he says, yes, it is. And then she said, I thought so, what do you do? And then he said, I'm a suit salesman, which <laughs> is already so strange of a conversation to have. I'm a suit salesman, okay. And then... I guess, I don't know why, they don't really explain her character development as to why she would freak out and not just want to further pursue a conversation <laughs> with this man, but do you know the next line she says? No, I um, don't remember. Oh, it's so good. She says, will you excuse me? I cut my foot before, and now my shoe is filling up with blood. <laughs> <laughs> she just limps off, and it was, like, we literally had to pause the movie because Tony was laughing so hard. We did not see that coming. And, and it just, What a it. great excuse. It was such a good excuse. I, I, and, like, I cut my foot before, and there's just no explanation. Like, just, and, oh, uh, <laughs> man. So, there was some really good, very quotable. Just, oh, and another a fun, um, when they do a flashback to high school, because the premise, for anyone who doesn't know, which apparently, I guess everybody knows, but they, it's 97, and they're going to their 10-year high school reunion, therefore meaning they graduated in 87. So, there's a lot of flashbacks for the, you know, 80 times. And they use the word uh, delusionoid, and Love I really it. liked that one. Love so that. So that was a good one that I feel like we should have made more of a thing out of. Um, but but there was also good, there was so many good 90s things. Like there, um, at one point, because they want to get a man, she goes to singled out tryouts. Oh, that's right. I had forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 A little tiny little like Easter eggs to singled out. And um, the woman's like, the cutoff's 25. Try VH1. <laughs> Sick VH1 burn. <laughs> Sick VH1 burn, and that was '97. Like VH1 was actually really hot right then, you know. Yeah, it so, was hot for the seniors, the senior wow. crowd, and seniors being 32 and older. The fucking golden <laughs> bachelor, right? Um. Oh, but then I made this other the businesswoman thing. So yeah. So then they decide they're not successful enough to go to the high school reunion as they are naturally. So they need to kind of fake it to make it and and pretend they're more. So that's when they get these um, power suits. And they change in a truck stop on the way to the uh, reunion, which is like in Tucson. So, and they're living in L.A., so they got to drive to the desert. And they change as a truck stop. And then they ask this little, old, you know, old school waitress, do you have some kind of businesswoman special? Um, which, again, <laughs> we love. And <laughs> businesswoman special. So, the, yeah. And then, okay, I don't really want to spoil it, but... I guess, I mean, it did apparently celebrate its 25th anniversary last year, so it feels like it's been around. It's, but, a, it's, it's out there a minute, but I do think a lot of people miss this one. But, I know. So tre- I tread lightly, but maybe a light spoiler. Okay, so there's this bit of a, what turns out to be kind of a dream sequence. Yeah. Right. Okay, Corey, you recently watched this. Like, uh-huh. Were you well into the dream sequence before you actually realized it wasn't reality of the movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a point where it it, it abruptly jumps forward in time, and that's when I realized what it was doing and and thought it was really funny. Yeah, yeah. It's just well, it's it's like this. It's just very strange where you the movie is already the baseline weirdness of the movie is already so high that then suddenly you don't realize it. You just think you're kind of, yeah, like there is a little bit of a time jump, but you're kind of like, oh, I guess we're here at the reunion now. We're doing things. And then several things unfold, and it's very surreal, but also the movie was so wacky that you're like, is this, wait, hold on, what? This is, you know, and you can't tell for a minute there how, because it's already kind of weird, so this maybe is just getting weirder. 
yeah, so I really liked how long the dream sequence was and how they really went for it and how, you know, you're in so deep. And then finally when you realize, like, oh, wait, uh, hold on, we're not even, this isn't even reality anymore. And it, but it, it's like the movie set you up to think it was possibly reality because everything else was so strange. So I really did like the way they did that because it was almost like, you know, Gadim, like, you thought this was real because everything else is so nuts, but it's actually... <laughs> it's- yeah, fever dreamish for sure. Fever dreamish, but then also the whole movie has a weird essence like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, and then okay, another strangeness is the um that Alan Cumming is in. Yep, yep. Love, love and it like though. The, the love interest to a degree, in a way, he's more into Michelle than she is back to him. But you know, it's that kind of thing. And um, I um read this little snippet. Let me pull this up. Um, apparently. Alan, did you know this? Alan Cumming owns a bar in New York City called Club Cumming, where every Saturday the bar hosts the Romeo and Michelle themed day involving 90s music, DJ requests written on post-it notes, and scarf folding stations. I had no idea. That's amazing. <laughs> did you did you know that Alan Cumming at least was, and I don't know if he still is, but was um, married to or partnered with a, a man from Birmingham? What? Alabama? And Yeah. And uh, and came to the Shout Film Festival. No way! Many what? many what years ago. Many many years ago. Cool. Good for Alan. Probably like uh, cool. year two of that of my programming. Wow. Yeah. When when wow. Shout was a different festival then. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Right. Because it did. You, yeah, it was like a concurrent but different thing. And um, he was down wow. to party. I mean, he went. He hung out at Bottle Tree. He was just uh, kind of you know all about town. That's awesome. Cool. And yeah, all, and I I was I had no idea my students were like that's Nightcrawler. Yeah, hell yeah, it's Nightcrawler. And, um, Alan I was like, coming, come I back. Know what that means. I just I know, know exactly. He's one of the X-Men. Like, well, he's the dude in in Romy oh. Michelle, but yeah. <laughs> Nightcrawler. Um, now we're talking Corey Kraft's language right? here. Let me tell you about him. Uh I'm not going to. Go ahead. <laughs> No, and I mean, yeah, and one of the things, so like, you know, Alan Cumming looks fine, but at one point, and I get, you know, it's one of the dream, it's the dream sequence, but he gets an entire face replacement. Yes. <laughs> and like, yes. They, clearly they've put some kind of prosthetic on him as to be this face replacement, but he doesn't really, it doesn't move and he can't really move his lips and it's very strange. And um, at one point he and Michelle are in the back of a limo and they've got to leave and he just like whooshes out the sunroof like he like vertically flies out of the um <laughs> out of the limo and there's an actual whooshing like comical sound effect and then she's kind of looking around and she doesn't you know she hadn't looked up and she's like wait where'd he go and that's when i really knew it was a dream sequence i was like wait there's been no flying with like comical whooshing noises yet so far in this movie as weird as this movie is so uh yeah so anyway but the but like for some reason the full face Plastic surgery was not weird enough for me to be tipped off that that was a dream. But like right. when he sort of whooshes away, I was like, "Oh, okay, this isn't real." But um, yeah, he was like, "Yeah, he was quite a little different." Yeah, expected, not unexpected thing there. I um, remember thinking at the time that it might have even been like that that there was a conversation around the studio table that was like, "This shit gets too weird. How can we kind of get it back on track?" And the director or the writer kind of goes we'll just make it a dream sequence because i do i agree with you i think at times this film wants to be this weird it wants just to kind of go for it and and instead they just kind of put the dream sequence little wrap around it it always seemed like that to me fine whatever it's it's hilarious regardless yeah because then when it kind of resets and now we're going to the reunion for real it's like 
not that much. I mean, it's, yes. so, it's very strange. One step off. It's just, yeah. One, yeah, it's like one degree less weird. And then um, there's that whole dance sequence with um, Alan Cummings and Mira Sorvino and Lisa Kudrow. And it's amazing. And I learned also, because apparently Mira is a dadgum genius, she also grew up, so the ballet moves she's doing are legit. Like, she also grew up doing ballet. So she actually did those little pirouettes and all the cute little dancing. And, Love it. Um, you know, and Lisa Kudrow is just kind of like doing arm work because she's clearly not an <laughs> actual ballerina. But, um, you know, yeah, it was so good. Mirror Servina is in two of my favorite dance sequences, two of my favorite dance sequences of all time in film. And one of them is this, and the other is, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, Summer of Sam. Oh, that's right. Oh. Very different, yeah. very different in tone. Very different. But she is, she is dancing with John Lake Wazamo, who's mm-hmm. much shorter than she is. Um, mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that dance sequence in Summer of Sam. Oh my gosh! You know, I've seen that. That's been a really, really long time. So I need—that's a good um, rewatch. Yeah, I should have watched that in the dark with all the power off. Yeah, dark, dark, dark. It's one of the handful of Spike Lee movies I've never seen. The dog kill, 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 kill! I say. Oh my god! Sorry. Uh, that so so Rachel just confessed to the son of Sam murders. I think on Mike we oh, all man. heard it. I thought I already had a patsy for that. <laughs> we well, still haven't solved the Natalie Wood stuff, so don't worry. Uh, we'll still solve I'm, speak for yourself. I might have some. I might have some <laughs> ideas to toss right, around. Um, well, I'm glad that you like this because it is a great film. I didn't realize it was a blind spot for you. I probably would have I said, know. "Let's watch I, it I, earlier." I you know. That's- that's another thing, too. I was like, how did Rachel not show me this over time? But, you know, I guess sometimes you just think everybody's seen it all. and Lots know, of movies, too. Way. But I bet so. we have this on VHS. And so, you know, and we've oftentimes are scrounging our VHS collection when you're around to, you know, see what uh-huh. we're going to watch. So. Okay. Anyway, we'll, um, we need to earmark it for, like, we'll give it a year or so. But this is a fun one, I think, to revisit every mm-hmm. couple of years, you know? Yes, agreed. Because there's definitely, especially some of the laugh out loud stuff that that'll be fun to visit again, like the um, the shoe filling up with blood, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Well, um, awesome. We're gonna, I guess, hear from you next time with something okay. else, right? You're still good. watching stuff. I think there's still a couple of sequels out there that you oh, promised Lord. you were gonna watch and we hadn't heard from. I you. know, I know. I thought about that. It's like every time a new one comes around, I'm like, wait a minute, I've got I've got more on deck. So it's you know, it's an endless. <laughs> Endless list, but, but you know, Romy and Michelle, good excuse for not doing that. So. Yep, exactly. Yes, exactly. So, thank you. Yes, cool. All right, well, I'll talk to you later, boss. I wait, okay, I'll see you good. soon, right? For Corey Feldman. Whoa, oh my gosh, that's so soon! So I'm soon, so glad you reminded me. Yes, so soon, y'all. I can't wait. Yeah, we're going to see if you if, if, if everybody doesn't understand what we're saying right now, we are going to see Corey Feldman. Where live, do what? <laughs> What's he going to be doing? Well, He's he going to be playing whole- music. Just go to YouTube and you'll see what he does. It's, oh, um, I've seen the, it. <laughs> it's reminiscent of um, Michael Jackson, aesthetically. Thou and... shalt not. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and yeah, I, think, I think we're doing a meet and greet, too, aren't we? Yes, we totally. So, yes, I, VIP. Uh, I Vi- this up with a meet and greet situation through a connection I have. I pulled some strings. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is like I have a friend who works with you, and like this is the thing that I because he was like, let me know if there's any interesting shows coming up that you might be interested in, and then like two weeks later, I'm like, hey, so there's this Corey Feldman show, and uh, yeah, so pulled my strings on that. We got the vip. <laughs> we got that vip life. We'll be we'll yeah, we we'll hit y'all back with a review. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah please, we will let, please, you know, play by play. Let you're, us you're know. gonna hear a blow by blow. Don't worry. 
There will be probably a photo taken, like, uh, with him. There right? better be. Oh, my God. There better be. There better be. So you'll have to, yeah, you'll have to circulate we're, pu- we're not pulling strings for no reason. We better be in a photo with the Feldster. Yeah, the for sure. Feldster. All right, well, I guess I'll see you soon then <laughs> for Corey okay, Feldman. Bye. 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 Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Uh, uh, of, uh... <laughs> Man, that's weird. Man, that's weird. I've got a couple things for you. Well, let's hear them. We're going to, in a future episode here, very soon, we're going to talk about what we're watching. And I'm going to talk just very briefly at that time about having gone to the uh, AMC theater to see Christine. Yeah. Okay. The uh, 1983 film that had a little fathom release. 40th anniversary uh, 40th this year. 40th anniversary. Gosh, I'm old. I had a great time watching this. It's a fun but- movie. Uh, uh, I'll talk more about the process of watching this here in a Uh second, but I thought this would be a good one for me. And that's weird because there are a number of things that were striking me when I was watching it. Sure. And it it has been a minute since I'd seen it. So uh, the film stars John Stockwell. Sure does. Who is not related to Dean Stockwell, just so you know. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but they are not I was not aware of that. That is. They are not. But he does have a one degree away from the one and only Thomas Cruise. How so? Well, he was in Losing It okay. with Thomas Cruise, yeah. and he's in Top Gun. Oh. He played Cougar. Okay. I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Good for him. And then he moved. Did you know he moved to directing and uh, directed Blue Crush in 2002? I did know that, but but so did his co-star, Keith Gordon, right? I think Keith Gordon has done some directing yeah, I think so as well. Too. And he also directed an episode of The L Word, which is interesting. All right. Um, and a film that I actually remember liking at the uh-huh. time, which I'd be weird to go back and revisit with Kirsten Dunst, 2001's Crazy Beautiful. Yeah, I've never seen that. I remember actually liking that. Yeah. Here's some interesting stuff, though. Okay. He was close friends with Andy Warhol. Uh, why? I don't know how to answer that. Okay. He was frequently <laughs> he was frequently mentioned in Andy. You, we will see his name come up numerous times in huh. Andy Warhol's diaries. Cool. And he um, attended, or at least started to attend, Harvard University. Neat. And uh, actually, then got cast in The Guiding Light. So he started commuting to New York and was doing the soap and kind of dropped out of Harvard. It sounds like to be on Guiding Light. Well, yeah. I mean, good good work yeah, if you can get you it. There you go. Uh, and then here's a couple other things about the film. Okay. And this is where it gets kind of connective, more connective than what we're talking about here with uh, John Stockwell. Well, Kevin Bacon was offered the lead role Keith Gordon played. Yeah. That, that would have been, been a different film. That right? would have been cool, but I don't different. know. I think, I, Keith Gordon's so good. He's so good in it. He turned it down. Kevin Bacon turned it down for Footloose. Yeah, that's ultimately, I think, the right call. I there. think that's the right call. So he also, uh, were, they also considered Scott Bayo. Mm-mm. Which I think is really weird. Bullet Different dodged. Film. Bullet dodged. John Cusack ad- auditioned. Didn't Different. Get it. Different vibe. Could have been interesting, but different. Brooke Shields auditioned for the role of Lee. I would be okay with that. Yeah. And at some point, I think that they actually opted to go with what at the time would have been unknowns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Nick Cage. You'll like this. Uh-huh. Auditioned and didn't get cast as the bully. John, buddy. John, buddy. What was going on there? Come I on, wonder. John. And then here's another. You, your boy, Stephen King, right? Yep, yep. Stephen King later created two characters named for Harry Dean Stanton. Okay. Do you know what they are? No, I From don't. From the Green Mile. From the Green Mile. Which... Dean, Dean Stanton. Okay. And Harry uh, Terwilliger. 
Terwilliger. Terwilliger, yeah. Um, which is funny because Harry Dean Stanton is in the film adaptation exactly. of The Green Mile. That's Isn't that that's wild? Great. And that's apparently great. Stephen King really took a liking to Harry Dean Stanton, What's as, we all, as we all do. like? God bless that man. Rest in peace, you beautiful bastard. Well, and this really is what gets me riled up, okay? Okay. Arnie's Neighborhood yep. in the film was shot in the same exact South Pasadena neighborhood that John Carpenter used in Halloween. That's amazing. No wonder I love yeah. the look of this thing. That's amazing. And then here's what we'll here's where we will land because it gets crazy connective. Are okay. you ready? John Carpenter and Harry Dean Stanton had previously worked together mm-hmm. on Escape from New York in 1981. Yep. It featured characters named for directors George Romero yep. and David Cronenberg. Uh-huh. Romero and Cronenberg have each directed a Stephen King adaptation. Creep show in the Dead Zone. Well, the Dark Half. From well, the Dark Half too. The Dead Zone in nineteen eighty three, and both films take place in the small town of Castle Rock. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. So there you go. There's a f- bunch of fun facts to bat around and connections to bat around about Christine. Yeah, I, I'm reading Stephen King's new novel. I've read most of them. Uh, Prolific. MFR. Yeah, pretty big, uh, pretty big fan Turns of that fella, and uh, a lot of the film adaptations too. And Christine's a cool one, but we'll talk about it more in the next yeah. episode. So that was kind of weird. Well, thank you for listening to the Side Talks podcast, where your own personal cinematic pan coin and Doge coin. Oh God. Well, do you know what a pan coin is? I don't know what a pan coin okay, is. Okay, well, hold on to your hat. You know what a Doge coin is? I unfortunately, everything I've learned about cryptocurrency has been under duress. Until now. Until now. Well, this a is pan technically coin under duress. Is a crypto pancake? Fuck off! You heard me. You at IHOP can trade three pan coins for a short stack of three pancakes. And this is from the web- website directly. You can also trade pan coins for a variety of tasty assets in the stack market. This is just, (laughs) I mean, props to them because at least this is a clever way of approaching it. But this is akin to like trading in three cereal box tops for an eraser or something in, in elementary school. I think that. At this point in time, and I could be wrong, but at this point in time, those pan coins have more value to me than a Doge coin. I'll take those pan coins any day. I want that short stack, y'all. I did a little look see, uh-huh. and wanted to figure out if any other rewards programs were bouncing off of crypto. And I didn't have enough time to do deep research. But what I did come across when I was looking at this was that at one point in time, our good old buddy, Bubba Gump, Uh had a Bitcoin program Hmm. where you could actually collect rewards for eating at Bubba Gump and get cryptocurrency. I bet that's worth like so much money. Um, It's over. Um, I mean, not Bitcoin. I don't quote me on that. Who knows? Who Who knows? knows? But, um, But I can tell you one thing for sure. The Bubba Gump Bitcoin program, rewards program, is indeed over. That has ended. If that's a sign of the times, I don't know, um, but that is that is over. So the big question is now, are you going to be a pan coin or are you going to be a Deutsche coin? Actually, sh- 
I don't care what you want to be. I want to be a pan coin. I want a short stack. That's fine. You're a I'm, I'm checking my investment portfolio, which I have, humble brag. And um, apparently I should be investing in cryptocurrency because whoo, these IPOs have taken a dive. Yeah, I have a I have a sad uh, little bit of stock and a sad little bit of crypto. And I every time I look, I'm like, people can make fun of whatever they want. But I got to tell you, my crypto is doing better than the stock stuffs. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a sad <laughs> state of affairs. Uh, but um, anyway, Dogecoin, yeah. sure, I like whatever. I, I like pancakes fine. I just don't, I don't care about any of this stuff, really. Um, so I'll be Dogecoin because at least I've heard of that before today. Okay. All right. Okay, well, you know, we landed fine. Where when we I'm eating my pancakes and you're hugging a Tesla, you know. <laughs> Thanks to Beltwell Studios. You're welcome. I would rather have a Tesla than a stack of pancakes. Well, yeah, but you think that until you're like me and you're literally plugged in from the Tesla into the back wall of a gas station. Happened to me. I rented a Tesla. Whoops. <laughs> um, and i'll tell you what in that moment in time when i was plugged into the to the back of a gas station and it said 17 more hours to be oh able to Lord. go 10 miles oh no i would have much rather been a pan coin yeah fair enough well podcast at sidewalkfest.com if you want to send us a tesla uh we'll take it elongated muskrat come sponsor us you're just as crazy enough to yeah do you're, it. Dr- you you're crazy dropping boy. money on other shit you Might crazy as well. boy come on uh sidewalkfest.com is where you can get tickets to what we're doing at the cinema and why don't you follow us on social media at sidewalk film we'd love to see you join us for a movie that's we all like em. we do bye batwell studios podcast division your words our expertise <laughs>